Hey there, ladies and gentlemen, it is Ampersand and Sons with Neil Bailey, the most ridiculous, rambunctious, vulgar, and unfunny man in podcasting, and Julian Finn, my friend, the nicest man in Canada. Hello. Hello! I actually kind of feel like the nicest man in Canada, but also the most ornery. Like, every time I go on Facebook lately, I just want to scream, get off my lawn at everyone, which might be an age thing. <laughs> but I'm polite, so I don't yeah, actually It might be a scream. Facebook thing. <laughs> yeah, I just, I start typing things out, and then I delete it, and feel good about the fact that i got the thoughts out um <laughs> oh man i had to do that i i got to that point like three years ago until i left facebook entirely because it's the united states and you're like everybody there is just like it, it could be your grandma and they're like i'll catch you if you believe vaccines are effective you know? <laughs> like i will come to your house with a knife and stab you <laughs> maybe that's just my grandma no my grandma's dead on that note how would one <laughs> Give Superman a COVID-19 vaccine, I wonder. Oh, God, that's that's easy. That's real easy. He doesn't need one. Fair, right. And and not human, so it probably wouldn't make the jump from human to Kryptonian without a larger sample size. It would probably, it'd probably be like, like COVID tonight, and it would turn him into a dog or something, and then he'd like, like I don't know, <laughs> fart out a plot device and then return back to normal as soon as he got a kiss from another dog or something. That's the way that kryptonite works. Kryptonite is just like, hey, there's this weird thing we want to do, we're going to do it. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah, and if, and if they can't make it work with regular kryptonite, they invent new forms, which we'll talk about tonight, because Neil's real Superman is back. Yeah, no, real Superman. That's good. Not is it to... weird that six episodes into this, I'm already thinking of Hecklin as actual Superman and things like, you know, randomly, arbitrarily uh, pulling a name out of my butt. Uh, Henry Cavill's Superman is not real Superman. <laughs> well, you know, I've always used the Burt Ward and Adam West litmus test. If the actor couldn't come to your local fair in costume and make kids happy... Well, then it's probably not that character. Uh, <laughs> like, like if you sh like seriously though, you showed up to your fair, and then Henry Cavill starts walking up to you in his Superman outfit. You think all of a sudden, like, like four hundred people are going to die, and he's going to snap somebody's neck, and you'll be traumatized for life, and then he'll push a terrorist through a wall. But you know, like Tyler Hecklin <laughs> shows up, and you're like, oh, I bet you he's got a cupcake for me. He probably thinks that I'm a good little boy, and that I'm going to amount to something, even though I'm forty-two. <laughs> Am I 40? No, I'm 41. Anyway, yeah. Sorry, I'm 41. I screwed this up with the vaccine people, too. COVID did this to me. They were like, how old are you? And I was like, I don't know. Because I've been in this COVID <laughs> void for a year. I thought I was 42. And I'm really 67. Nice. I mean, this this review makes yeah. that plain. But anyway, where was I? <laughs> well, we were, we were talking about the fact that real Superman is back, and we're very excited. Yeah. Uh, although, although I read your review, and you were less excited than me about it, and we'll talk about that. Um, but, but I, I have a question at the outset of this episode and I'm jumping forward a little bit, but it's a very minor spoiler. So I'm hoping that our, our listeners will, will forgive me for it. Um, what are they doing with the geography of Smallville in this show? Like, are we dealing with the Smallville geography where Metropolis is a waterfront city in Kansas? Like, is it that close? I hadn't even thought about that. I was so swept up in the in the actual drama that I didn't even consider that, yeah, if they had to go all the way to Metropolis, they must be close to Metropolis. 
But you know, thinking about it, I don't actually have a problem with being small, Smallville being close to Metropolis as a device because it makes sense that you move from the rural city that's near the big city to the big city that's nearby. It's um, it's more that. I think the reason it became such a spectacle and such an issue was because Smallville made it both five minutes and three hours away, and they would say that it's three hours away, and then say that I just drove here as fast as I could, and it was like a 20-minute clearly <laughs> thing, you know? Like, they made that issue for themselves. It was like an own goal, you know? Like, yeah. they got in their Yaris, and they drove backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, fair. Um, but yeah, no, I, I was struck by that while I was watching this, because... The, the Smallville football team, for some inexplicable reason, I can't quite figure out, I guess last the last episode or two episodes ago, it was the fall festival. So they're like <laughs> in the middle of football season, even though we're in May. Um, so the chronology <laughs> doesn't sort of line up, which makes things confusing. But like, I'm assuming we're early enough in the football season that this isn't like state championships or anything. So I'm wondering why they're driving to the big city. Like, well, and the other confusing thing is like, are they preparing for the fall or the spring play with that jets versus sharks dance? You know, like, like, yeah. and why does the metropolis quarterback suddenly know, like, <laughs> you know, like, like, why does he make a jets reference? Although I love West side story. So it's a you know great thing, but where we are in space and time of the high school year is a little bit off. Yeah. It seems like I, I would fully expect them to do a Christmas episode next Tuesday. <laughs> Yeah, no doubt. But yeah, then, I can forgive then, that one for COVID. And then and then follow it up immediately with prom. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, you know, actually, you know, that'd be a part where I'd be like, is that right? Is that not right? I think I went to my prom, but I don't even remember when it was. Like, I was dragged to the prom. People would drag me to dances. Like, I wouldn't want to go, and they would drag me to it, and then I would have a horrible time um, or screw something up. I don't know. <laughs> Okay, so before we get into the summary of meat and potatoes of this show, yeah. um, I mean, th this is now episode nine for us, and five of those episodes were dealing with Superman and Lois, and three of them were dealing with the uh, Snyder Cut of Justice League and various other miscellany. Um, and in the middle of all that, Neil and I decided that we should, in preparation for the fact that this show will run out in you know, not too many weeks. Um, we should already have our next project on deck to sort of like carry through the summer season. And we figured since we started with um, Snyder Cut, which is the weirdest deconstruction of the superhero genre in the history of deconstructions because it's actually using the characters it's lampooning as its subject. Um, <clears throat> although, although I think the deconstruction is unintentional. <laughs> um, it would be neat to examine the current out there De superhero deconstruction media that we've gotten in the last couple of years. Namely, we've gotten um, the Watchmen adaptation on HBO, which is a nice tie-in out of Snyder and what he's done with that property. We've gotten The Boys on Amazon Prime. We've gotten Invincible on Amazon Prime. And we got Jupiter's Legacy on Netflix, which are all various takes on how 
is a superhero, a superhero in a fascist universe. So not this week, but I think starting next week or the week after, we're going to end our segments with exploring um, a couple of episodes at a time of each one of those properties. And hopefully that'll carry us through until uh, Superman and Lois comes back next year. Is it? I well, I see. I would disagree with that. I think that Superman and Lois is a love letter to a particular era of Superman comics, just kind of modernized. Yeah. Well, deconstruction. I don't know. It depends on how you interpret it. I don't think deconstruction often has a tear apart uh, connotation. I know it's right there in the word. But it, it's also deconstructing what it means to be Superman in a sense without being destructive because saying what happens if you take Superman out of Metropolis, out of his prime? What happens if you take him out of his, you know, traditional romance narrative and make him a father? So it's not, I suppose it's more of a, um, it's more of a postmodern kind of thing than a deconstruction kind of thing. But it also, it's that same beat. It's like, what are we going to do now that these stories have already been told? And that's definitely worthy of exploration. But... Yeah, so so I would say that it's pushing new frontiers, but gr grounding it in a classical understanding of the character. Yeah, the, the only thing I really object to, uh, honestly, is um, that we haven't done nine of these episodes. I think this is seven. But... The Snyder one felt like too extra, and also we should Red Dwarf it is what we should do. We should jump straight to nine, <laughs> because I don't know if you know Red Dwarf or if you I, like Red Dwarf. I, can, I love Red Dwarf, but I can only go by the numbering system in my podcast app, and it says the one that we put up last Friday was episode eight. Oh my god, maybe you're right. I'll have to look this up. It doesn't matter, I'm 43 anyway. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, like, it'll be like the Red Dwarf thing, whatever it is. You know, like that missing 10th season, or was it the 9th season, which was like yeah, the greatest yeah. Red Dwarf episode seasons ever, but, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's okay, definitely something so. we'll do when we get into, into some lull between episodes, and we have to, you know, tie Superman and Lois into the broader world around us and Superman stuff, so... Yeah, no, I think I think that I mean the Superman homepage is first and foremost a place to discuss Superman, but there's going to be some overlap with uh, with superhero media in general. Those discussions happen on the Facebook page all the time, and since deconstructionist takes tend, with the exception of the Watchmen series tend to laser focus on the Justice League in general and Superman in particular as being something that needs to be torn apart and dissected and re-examined over and over and over again. Um, it kind of falls in line with what we're doing. Yeah, and arguably Invincible and Jupiter and, and, um, and the boys are all essentially Superman shows where they're just like, this is not legally Superman because we can't say this. It's an alternate universe Superman, but they can't call it that because yeah. they'll get sued. Um, like, Hyp it, like Hyperion in Marvel or yes. Captain Marvel in, uh, in uh, Fawcett. Oh, wait, they did get sued. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's all right now because, you know, we've got two very distinct Captain Marvels. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Superman and Lois... Yes. Episode six, we pick right back up where we left on that cliffhanger. 
And true to most cliffhangers throughout time, it's resolved very, very quickly in the uh, conflict between Jordan and Tag, which, you know, then just kind of abruptly ends and we move to the concern that this show actually has, which is high school football. <laughs> yeah. Well, I liked the resolution. I think that the idea that Tag had a motivation instead of we're just doing this because we're going into a break. Um, you know, it wasn't just like, I'm coming to get you because you gave me this. It was, he, he was actually trying to beat the truth out of someone he he pretty much figured was invincible so it was um yeah you know it made sense many no, other it things did, did it not did. but that that made sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah no and that's fair so before we get into spoiler territory and and i think we're going to uh we're going to start with your objections to the way that they handled plot in this particular episode. Yes. Um, which I I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy that those are the beats that you pounded on for the most part. Because the last episode of Superman and Lois that we talked about and then into Snyder Cut... I was making the argument that plot is important to the viewer, and you were like, no, no, Julian, we must be above plot. It's character. And <laughs> well, I, I would say that this episode delivered on character in spades, with a couple of notable exceptions, um, and the plot stuff was squeaky shoes, but it wasn't, like, overly squeaky shoes. I would say plot and character are pretty much equal, but character is more important to me. But that's that's part of my rating system here. So here, the plot was A to B to C to D, and everything coherently followed from the premises that they established, but the character was off. So to me, it was, you know, it was perfectly serviceable, and people are going to just like this episode because people forgive being plot dumb quite well. But, like, it was a three of five because it was perfectly serviceable as an hour of television, for the plot alone, uh, until there was a major, like, like they went backwards on characters in a couple respect, and that's, that's the two. But, you know, like, <clears throat> the, the problem with plot in Snyder, not to rehash Snyder, versus this. Like, in Snyder, the plot is utterly incoherent and doesn't follow A to B to C to D. In this episode, it absolutely, A to B to C to D, everything makes sense by what's declared in the story. The problem is some of the things that were declared don't fit in what has been established by the characters so far. Sure, and that's fair. So, before we dive in, without caveats, did we like this episode? Hmm. Did I like it? Would I watch it again? Well, I would watch it again perfectly serviceably in a review of this season. Would I single it out as a great one? No. Okay. Um, I would watch it again because I'm shallow and feckless, and there are two scenes in the episode that I squeed like a small child at. Um, and those alone, amounting to a whopping total of about 17 seconds, earned it a rewatch for me. So I'd probably give it like a three and a half, four. I think you probably have the two same wonderful moments that I had, and there were a couple of ingenious plot devices that I can single out and go, ah, yeah, that's one of the greatest moments in the show so far. Um, where so, so I could say that I could watch this perfectly serviceably, I wouldn't seek it out unless I was watching the whole season, but I would probably skip over four if if I if I were watching the season yeah. again. That's how disgusted I was with that. So so in terms of like the scale of what's sucky and what's great about Superman and Lois, this is not a bad episode. But if you ask me, did I like it? Was it great? I'm not 
I don't hate it. I don't like it. It was just an episode. Yeah. So to me, it's like, uh, I don't know if you ever watched the uh, the sci-fi remake of uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yes. I adore that show in general, in broad terms. But there are many episodes of that show, including and especially the finale, where I would just opt not to revisit them. And episode four <laughs> of Superman and Lois is like that. It, it's, a, it's a spot in an otherwise fantastic vehicle that I just don't dig. Um, this one, the two moments that I'm thinking of are cool enough that, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd pop it back on just to see that, unless they eclipse those two moments later well, let's, in let's, a different episode. Let's jump into Let's the summarize. Well, no, no, no. let's summarize. Oh. And then, yeah, let's summarize. And, and I have a particular uh, strategy for jumping into spoilers this week. All right, well, here I go. I'll go with my terrible non-spoiler, because, see, I have trouble summarizing without spoilers, because, as you know, <laughs> spoilers don't matter to me. It's all about the execution. But yes. uh, if I had to summarize it, I'd say Lex Luthor's uh, motives are slightly more revealed. There is progress toward uncovering the Edge mystery, and uh, Clark uh, comes to a head with his problems with Jordan and his football playing as new powers emerge. Is that... That's that's not too spoilery, is it? That's not too spoilery. You didn't give away the fact that the Smallville boys win the big game. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do they, though? They won on the scoreboard, but did they win in their hearts, Julian? Did they win in their hearts, or did they find sorrow in the end? I am going to say, first spoiler of this whole thing, they are doing exactly what I was concerned about them doing with allowing Jordan to play football which is turning his powers and characterization into a morality play and trial of whether superheroes should be allowed to interact as themselves in the real world yes and it bothers me because yes they set it up so well and they gave it complexity and i thought you were going to be wrong and you were right and i hate yeah. being wrong so much actually i don't i don't care but <laughs> um but I trusted this show to hold my hand and carry me along. It it put that it put that um it, it gave me that faith that they were going to handle it, and then they reverted back to the TV tropes. They didn't do it as badly as they did in that fourth episode, where where it was like uh, you know you made Clark Lois, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> but but they do they do make it like. It's like, I just want to smoke him, you know, like, like Jordan is like, I just want revenge on the bullies. And they made him one note when he had at least six notes. Yeah, he turns into Wreck-It Ralph video game version. Yeah, pretty much. And that does a disservice to the work that came before. And I don't know why they did that. It might have been because it's, it was rushed. They did it it, been... No, they did it because it's easy conflict. So the thing is, and we see this all the time, um... The reason it's not as bad on this show is because they don't have 22 episodes in this season. I am hopeful that they will do a half-season format for this show and not a full-season format, but I'm not optimistic that they'll stick to that. So I think subsequent seasons will be 22 episodes. And then we're going to see the typical failures of the American TV model <laughs> in stretching the plot out so far that characterization has to suffer. Well, you know, um, 
But it's baffling, though, because they have to have a showrunner. They have to have people in charge. And those people in charge have clearly been making decisions that are like, these characters have these properties. And then for some episodes, that just goes out the window. And for some episodes, it's so tight, like the strings ring. Um, yeah. And, and I don't understand the. I don't understand what the the only like I know that TV shows sometimes fall back onto drama, but it's not usually such a whiplash. You know, there's usually like certain things that are consistently good or certain things that are consistently bad. And the characters motivations have been very spot on for episodes one, two, three and five. And in this one, they are consistent within the plot, but just like. Why so, vacillating? So, like episode four, this one does very. Sorry, episode four was trying to rush forward plot momentum. This one is the inverse of episode four, in that very little of consequence to the overarching story occurs. Like, if you take the 43 minutes and change or whatever that this show was maybe five minutes of this episode actually pushes the themes that we've already had established in the first five episodes of the season forward in any significant way. The rest of it is <clears throat> filler character beats, good character beats, but filler character beats. And so if you can't touch the primary conflicts of the story that you've set up, you have to generate conflict elsewhere otherwise your characters don't have anything to do that's and fine. that's you know that's, that's, that's what this episode felt like to me well yeah. i forgive a plot story for that very reason i suppose the thing that irks me the thing that i don't get is like uh, a writing room this this responsible thus far in terms of like um lining everything up and making it all make sense has to know that the fundamental premise behind this episode is flawed like you don't you don't say to superman yes there's a kid in danger but avoid solving that problem and you don't say to you don't say to lois yes you're smart you're you're capable um but go to this place where someone with superpowers is going to be without any help and expect it to go well you know like there's just it's and also the idea that you know like the from that first scene they they're like um you know, you have to stay with the boys. And that's something they've harped on a couple of times. You know, like, like sometimes being Superman is not as important as being there for your family. And not yes. even, not even just being Superman. So, so he gets that from Sam Lane. Sorry, guys, spoilers. Um, if you haven't watched the episode yet, stop listening now. Go watch it and then come back. Um, but he gets that and from Sam Lane. But also... Has Lois forgotten that her husband used to be a pretty good reporter in his own right? <laughs> well, so two things. Two things. The first thing is he gets it from Sam, but he also gets it from Lois. But when Lois gives it to him, generally she's right, except for in a couple of times where they've used it for drama. Most of the time she's like, your sons need you now, and that's more important. And that's the dividing line. Sam Lane is doing it for selfish reasons. Lois Lane is doing it to be a good partner. But... Um, Sorry, I just lost track of the other question you asked. Um, what was it? The well, I was I was talking about the the fact that this episode doesn't move anything forward in any significant way, right? right. Like it it gives us a teeny tiny bit of Luthor plot. It gives us a teeny tiny bit of Morgan Edge plot. Um, we get a little bit more info about Sky High from Tag. And Sam Lane, 
But really, this is an episode that is zeroed in on what's going on with Jordan. And it's specifically an episode, I feel, is meant to be a bridge to get us to what we're going to see next week, where we find out that Jor-El was full of crap and lying or suppressing Jordan's powers in some way this entire time. Well, that would make some sense, and that'd be a fine bit of drama. I suppose, it would be, but, but, but I see. I see a lot of stuff does happen here. It's just the execution is such that it feels more than than filler. The more I think about it, the more I think I can argue that because there are some genuine things that happen here. Um, Lois learns that Lex Luthor. Are we doing spoilers now at this point? Yeah, we're doing spoilers, okay. but right. I, I want to get. I want to get to to your plot criticisms. Fairly yeah. early on. Okay, well then I'll just I'll be brief here because I mean lots of stuff does happen. Lois l- learns that Luthor isn't on the up and up. Uh, they learn that Lar has superpowers. Um, Jordan is pretty much taken out of football by his by, by his actions. At least he should be. Uh, Superman learns that there are kids being hurt here and that it's a lot deeper than it should be, even though they don't really act on that in the plot. Uh, we also learn that um, that. Edge is, has an Achilles heel in Lana that is obviously going to... They're telegraphing that that's going to be what gets him. Um, which is a weird <laughs> hill to die on for a guy that supposedly bright. But lots of stuff happens. It's just it doesn't feel like much because it's not as earned as it could be with the way that they execute it, I suppose, for me. But anyway... It, go it, to but the, it, but it, also, it also feels like they're riding a bike in place, right? Yes. Like... They're, they're getting gains, but they're not going anywhere. Well, because the uh, character moments are not there, that doesn't make it have that resonance. Like, the plot is there, but the character moments that really make you go, oh, you know, and feel for them. Except for Sarah in this episode. Sarah has a great moment. And actually, it's a really great moment when, when, when Clark catches his son's heat vision with his eyes. Anyone who's ever held a sobbing child will know that that yeah, is so a that very was real, of, genuine moment. That was one of the two moments I loved deeply in this episode. And what was, was the just, other... Uh, the other was his heat vision moment when uh, Sam Lane's uh, stormtroopers yeah. are coming after Tag. I have never in live action seen any representation of heat vision as cool as Superman rage face holding back heat vision, like holding his heat vision at bay to stop from incinerating everyone. So, that so was we just. Have, yeah, well, we have the same two then. And, and I think that the reason why it's so cool is not even necessarily the revolutionary effects, the staging, or the way that it's put, it's because it is emotionally resonant because Superman doesn't use his heat vision like that in this show. That is a very rare, very spare, very hardly used thing. He only uses it in extreme, extraordinarily justified situations like this. And these guys were going to shoot an innocent kid. So Superman, he doesn't even, he, he doesn't say, I'll kill you. I could, you know, if I wanted to, I'd have ended you already. He goes, yeah, yeah. he's like, no, you will stop now because this <laughs> is a child and that could be my child. You know? And it's also, granted, it's hammer you over the head with it, but in a way that makes sense, very thematically tied to Jordan's emotional outbursts, right? Yes. So we're seeing two characters that have the same well of ability, even if we're not entirely certain how deep that well goes with Jordan yet. Um, one who has learned the importance of restraint and one who has not um having these moments of 
justifiable to different degrees moments of rage and how they each wind up responding and applying restraint or not has real consequences in the show moving forward yes well and there's three levels of it and you see it reflected very well in this episode there's tag it is tag right like i was it's tag yeah because there was another episode where he was called something else and so i'm guessing that's a nickname i was just worried i'd had a typo for the whole review but so there's tag and tag is just the reckless i've got to do what i've got to do kind of out there kind of guy and then you've got jordan who allows himself to get angry and is making mistakes. And then you have Superman, the mature example of power, who has the ability and the justification, frankly, to burn a hole in that soldier's forehead. Um, and it would be self-defense because they tried to kill Superman. Um, yeah. But he doesn't. He shows restraint. He shows the mature exercise of power. Yeah, no, agreed. Um Okay, so in your review, this is this is going to be our vehicle for major spoilers. In your review, the thing that you harped on the most was, this is a cool episode, but plot. So yes. why no, don't... But, but, but character. It had plenty of plot. Yeah, but but plot bad. Yes. Well, <laughs> right? No. Like, so no, plot, but you, you plot were... Consist- you were... I, I got to clarify this because it's important. Plot consistent, but plot not deriving from the character's actual motivations. Sure, sure. And I had some plot issues, too, that were mostly annoying nitpicks, and we'll get into that. But, like, prefacing this, we both generally liked this episode, but it was problematic. Why don't you share with me your your kind of well of of plot and character holes that sprung from this for you? Well, it all starts from the beginning of the episode. Essentially, they establish a false premise, which is that Superman cannot go after Tag because his sons need him. They have this device that can make Superman appear instantaneously. They establish that. And then he tries to stay with the kids, but then he doesn't stay with the kids. Like, the kids are at school alone, which you have to do to have that Sarah scene, but it kind of shows, it kind of fundamentally undermines the presence from the start. And then you have a situation where Superman is then informed that Sam Lane is going to come and kill this kid, and he knows who's sam lane is he knows what sam lane's about and superman doesn't immediately divert and go after tag he continues to stay with his boys and then he should kind of see what's going on with jordan and doesn't which is kind of fair but also jordan and jonathan who have been established as understanding the complexities of using power to play football suddenly forget all that because jordan wants to play and then they have a scene where jordan and jonathan are basically like yeah let's go get drunk man and and you know like i'm surprised they didn't yeah. like, and premarital sex you know and, and the thing <laughs> and is, then they, we'll drive a car while drunk having premarital sex that's right, right yeah so it was like that and then you get uh, uh and everybody basically uh, lois you know she she teams up with uh luthor and and uh, she doesn't know it's Luthor, it's fine. But she goes to the, the, the whole premise is faulty there because she's like, I need to go to these 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 caves because Clark can't. Because why can't he go? Well, it's lined with lead. Like, he can't see into the caves. It's like, oh, yeah, no, he only has 86 other superpowers that can make him instantaneously scope out and go through an entire complex. But let's just forget all of those so that Lois Lane can have a team up with Lex Luthor. And I get that. It's, it's all cool stuff. You want to see this. You want to see, like... Jordan having a fight with his superpowers with the jock and hurting his brother, and you want to see the exploration of the caves and them getting chased by Leslie Lahr. That's all cool, fun, exciting stuff, but it doesn't follow. Um, that's the problem. And the biggest, the biggest problem with it 
is not necessarily that it's that it's dumb plot making because everything is consistent. They say this is what our premises are going to be and they follow through on them. It's that the these characters would never be that dumb. They all every single character gets plot dumb. And they don't get plot dumb in a way that irrevocably hurts their characters any of them save maybe Jordan because now Jordan has, you know, perhaps permanently mangled his brother. And if they sweep that under the rug, that's really bad for the story. If yeah, they don't, Jonathan, if they... Jonathan's, Jonathan's going to start having powers by episode eight, and he's going to be healed up. Right, but you know, but still, the, if the, the part of the thing is like one of the things, like speaking to other writers, when you do things in a story, you always need time for recovery and time to deal with the ramifications of the things that have happened. And one of the things that TV is notoriously bad is, is notoriously bad about is just moving on, you know. And that's that's one of the sins, right? And you can you can actually avoid that as long as you show continuity, right? And in this case, you have a situation where it just this is probably the best example of why it's messed up, right? Here is what's going on with Sarah and what's going on with Jordan in terms of their mental issues right that's a bad way to put it i'm trying to think of a better way to put it they're not mental dude but like jordan has anxiety disorder and sarah is has suicidal ideation they've established this and yes. one of the things that this episode does is put them in places where someone with an anxiety disorder would fall apart or have extraordinary difficulty or where someone with suicidal ideation has now been kidnapped by a dude and brought to a place and had her life threatened and stripped her from a duty that she's supposed to be in, in involved in. Like, like she's taking care of that child. And if you're in a dysfunctional family where you're the de facto mother because both parents are absent and you're watching a child and you are removed from that situation and you realize, I can't protect this child, that's like taking a child away from an actual parent and it will mess you up mentally. And I understand it's a TV show. Right. And I understand yeah. that they're not that they're that they have the ability of going. It's a TV show. It's a comic book show. Forget about it. Right. But that is not the promise of the premise that this show has established. They've said we are going to show someone with an anxiety disorder and we are going to address it and we are going to show someone with suicidal ideation and we are going to make it part of the plot. You can't just conveniently hand wave a thing like that away because you want to have uh, uh, Sarah knocked out and brought to a warehouse or because you want Jordan to beat somebody up. I agree with you on Sarah. I disagree with you on Jordan um, because you're forgetting an element of how anxiety sometimes does work. And I'm I've lived through it. Uh, so Ellie has uh, some fairly serious PTSD uh, and anxiety, but I've watched how different levels of empowerment mitigate that so that things that were impossible for her a year ago are suddenly easy peasy and she doesn't fall apart. And in Jordan's case, it's completely, completely plausible that the discovery that he has these powers and that those level the playing field for him in situations that would normally cause massive social anxiety um, along with the approval of his peers and the interest of a girl, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, are mitigating factors to a degree big enough that his anxiety symptoms are dissipated. 
not sure. gone, but dissipated. And I've witnessed that in real life. It and, happens. And, and the the person that I know, who, you know, I, obviously I'm protecting their identities because people seem to hate me for some reason at times, and I don't want to put them at risk, you know, like uh, I got a secret identity. But the person that I know that has generalized anxiety disorder that I am very close to uh, expresses it generally through sadness or insecurity. Um, and so that is a blind spot that I may have. I have never seen it express as anger, but I know that it can be, or through, um, through, I don't know, uh, wanton expressions of empowerment, uh, to kind of push things back, you know, and maybe yeah. I do that and I don't know it, but, um, I suppose what I'm getting at is not so much that it's implausible. You're right. It is absolutely possible for Jordan that that could be the expression and that he could feel just fine right now. I suppose that it's, um that he was just in an extraordinarily anxious situation and it's not addressed it's not brought up it's not because about. because it's not an anxiety inducing situation because he's full of false confidence right now <laughs> okay no enough. but like I can see that. so 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 if you look at what they've done with Jordan's character even in this episode he had a moment of paternal approval from Clark when he punched a fist hole in the inexplicably used concrete log. Um, I, I don't get why that's there unless it's a nod to Clark working out when he was younger, I guess, maybe. <laughs> like, it's long, feel... it's big, it's heavy, it's wood. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ren and Stimpy, that is a deep cut. Oh, um, yeah. Everyone yeah. wants a log. Yeah, but um, so he gets that moment of paternal approval. He gets the opportunity to show his high school bullies from his old school what he is now with the approval of his new peers on the football team backing him up. He gets included in a night out drinking for probably the first time in his life. Um, Things are coming up Jordan And that puts you in a mental place where conflict might not be anxiety inducing because you are full of unearned confidence. Sure. And, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. That's not I think you're totally I think you're totally right on Sarah. But on Jordan, I think they're actually being consistent with how that plays out. I suppose more to the point, the reason that I brought them up is they were examples of things that remove the the faith that you have that they're actually thinking about these things while walking through. And it culminates in probably the greatest sin of the episode, which is the bit where they completely forget what happened last week. And I understand that shows are produced, like every episode is produced by a different group of people perhaps, and they're produced out of order maybe, and they've got to get from A to B. But at the same time, there is no way that you go from an episode like the last episode where where Jonathan drinking like a putz and making yeah. a drunk, drunken idiot out of himself destroys his chance uh, destroys Jordan's chance at a relationship and Jonathan just sees that and owns it and is mortified and they have a scolding from their parents and they're like they you get one and there's such hay that was made from their learning that lesson and how important it was and then the very next episode drunken frat guys are like come on dudes it's just a little drinking yeah so a, a molson dude come so that party, was actually dude. That was actually the thing that bothered me the most about this episode. And I was concerned about it um, in the episode where Jonathan gets hammered and there's all of that conflict around it. But I was like, well, maybe it's just a one-off and we won't sort of touch on this again. 
But this is a show that is very good in general at dealing with the complexities of being a teenager and being a teenager that's been uprooted and being a teenager that doesn't have any friends, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's, it's target audience is not us. It's target audience is high school aged kids that like superheroes and <laughs> and apparently Molson Ice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the fact that they are doing the 90s era after school special alcohol when you're young will always lead to negative horrifying long-term consequences thing is just dumb and painful to watch. Like I've got a teenage daughter, she's 14. I don't want her drinking. I also recognize that if she does, it'll be age-appropriate behavior, and that if I go on a moralizing tear about it and do anything worse than ground her for a week, I am setting her up to, in response, become a absolute lush by the time she's done high school, because screw you, <laughs> mom and dad. No, but like that's the reality of it. And this show is burning its goodwill with its core audience by doing the alcohol ver equivalent of someone in an after-school sm special smoking a joint and then going, oh man, I feel invincible. I'm going to point this shotgun at my head and pull the trigger. <laughs> like, like yeah, it's just... I'm riding a unicorn. Oh no, I'm actually in a car falling off a cliff. Like, it's... It, yeah, it's such a tonal and core <laughs> audience misstep. And I don't like... I don't know if the person in charge of the writer's room is a recovering alcoholic and they are trying to jam this messaging down everybody's throats, but it's well, stupid. I think it's more reductive than that. I think it's like everybody who's a nerd like uh, like me, well, that's, that's gatekeeping, but most nerds generally have stories of when the jock beat them up and the jocks in school stereotypically not all jocks obviously because actually i know some weightlifters who are pretty solid dudes you know who who, who look out for the little guy i must say hey, before hey, I, make this I, generalization. I put i put 30 kilometers a week on yes. running and 160 kilometers a week on my bike if that doesn't qualify sure. me as a jock i don't know what does well, i'm a huge exercise fan as well but i think we're referring uh, derogatorily here at least i am to, to <laughs> the, the class of people in high school who made the us and them situation because they play football and you don't, and they stuff your head in a toilet, and then they cut your hair over right, the trash can. Right. These are things that actually legitimately happened to me, so I know that they're not entirely stereotypes, right? And everybody has had that experience who is not one of those people, right? Um, at least most people, I would say. And uh, so it's very easy as a trope to rely back on, hey, there's a jock, he's a bully, he drinks, and he beats on people who are smaller than him, and it's good, quick, cheap, easy drama. Except for, if you rely on it too many times, it becomes reductive tripe. And in this case, it's become reductive to the point of where you don't believe it anymore. You believe once in a while a jock is going to come and bother you, or you believe that one particular evil character jock is going to make your life a living hell, but every jock you see being a drunk guy who picks on the small guy because he's small, be like, hey, small little, you think you're Mr. Big Pants? <laughs> I'm riding my unicorn. Yeah. 
And what the heck was up with the casting for the Metropolis football team? It was like they came out of central casting for We Want Teenage Hillbillies. Like, no, no, I no, don't... no, 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 no. You're getting this all wrong. They came out of the central casting for West Side Story. Weren't you paying attention? Oh, like... Drink I, cool! I, I just don't... I don't understand the thought process that went into some of those choices. Um, for me... Yeah, I can see I can see what you're saying with Jordan. I can definitely see what you're saying with Sarah. I disagree with you on Jordan. To me, the two most egregious places this episode fell apart were well, three actually, were one turning Kiana, which is what I will forever call the union of Kyle and Lana from now on. Um, turning Kiana into just an arbitrarily stupid sack of crap so that Lois has some conflict to deal with before she runs off to the caves. Like, that was five minutes of don't care. And it was such an own goal because you could just delete that first scene and have her come to to him after and be like, hey, Sarah, you know, I know Kyle is not going to be down for this, but people's lives are at stake. Can you please do this? And she would have... You mean, hey, Lana. You mean, hey, Lana. Did I say... What did I say? Hey, Sarah. Hey, Sarah, oh my god. Well, see, the reason I'm doing that, and I'm doing that constantly, even in the review, I'm having to delete Lana and put Sarah and delete Sarah and put Lana, is because this is a different Lana, but the Sarah in this show is so closely playing the role of Lana in Smallville that it blurs yeah. in my head, and this Lana is not actually like most Lanas that we've seen only, outside of the only, ones. Only Sarah values honesty. <laughs> yeah, that too. And well, and also <laughs> this this uh, this Sarah, I very much like. She's probably my favorite character, and oddly, my lens to the show. So the Lana of this show is my lens to the show, and the actual yeah. Lana is kind of a reprehensible parent that I'm not very fond of, honestly. Although she's much better than Kyle in many respects. But you know, like in in the fullness of time and having experienced dysfunction. As much as I can blame the actual perpetrator of dysfunction more, I also am now equally holding to task the people who just stand idly by and let it happen. Uh, but I think that's an issue of um, not not even revenge or resentment, but maturity. I see, I see that people who don't act are making a choice as well. But yeah, fair. But yeah, so so sin one for me is Kiana. Uh, sin you two mean Lyle. For- Yes, yes, Lyle also Because then we can works. sing Long Tall Texan every time we're talking about their forsaken relationship. All right, perfect. I, I, don't, I don't get what function they serve other than to be an annoyance to Lois at this point. Like, oh, in the show? Yeah. Oh, that's, you know, like, to me, they have a whole lot of things that they can do for the plot. Like, I see that so That they much can. Potential. No, no. There's stuff that they can do, but they keep on arbitrarily getting used to be just a roadblock for Lana or for Lois. Yes, and they're also being used in a subtle way as the hammer the conservatives thing. And I honestly have no problem with that. Um, they're doing it like they're, everyone takes Supergirl to task for being woke and for being SJW or however the heck they want to reductively argue about feminism and things that actually should be making some kind of progress. But in this show, they're trying to do it in more low-key and subtle, and Kyle is the, the person that you can see through his eyes without going, that's totally a caricature and a straw man. You see, because he, he, he acts like a lot of your conservative relatives might. Um, in a way that is kind of self-defeating and destructive. So he has an extraordinary purpose there, especially even in this episode. Um, yeah. Okay. Lana, Lana is less so. Lana is Lana has 
less purpose other than being she has less to do yeah, yeah, she she she's she's a character that needs to be there, and they don't know what to do with her. Is is how I feel about this iteration of Lana Lang. Yeah, um, I root so for her. I root yeah. for her. I hope that she will defeat Kyle, if you will, and bring redemption and hope to her daughter, who is kind of screwed otherwise. But I by sailing by sailing off into the sunset in a romantic relationship with Morgan Edge. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Here's a check for forty thousand dollars. You know that'll solve a lot of problems, honestly. Yeah. Uh, the second one is what's going on with Luthor makes not even a lick of sense to me. Like, I don't understand why he's even maintaining this fiction with Lois other than the I want to be near this person who is not my wife but looks like my wife, which to me is completely out of correct characterization with the mission-driven person we saw him to be in his first few appearances. Like, he is not the guy that would get distracted to the point where he would be like... I'm going to hang out in this small town and do nothing while Superman is flying around and he is my nemesis so I can hang out with this person that I understand fully is not my Lois Lane just cuz like <laughs> well, he, he did would be... travel to another dimension because Superman killed Lois so he is a little bit obsessed with her Sure but this is a version this character as previously established is someone who would have gotten into town seen Lois shed a couple of tears had a couple of drinks grabbed his lightsaber went down to the caves cut himself a chunk of x kryptonite to fuel up his suit and then gone back to pummeling superman like there's no reason for any of this to happen i think um so my take on it and it didn't bug me for this reason is that if i'm lex luthor this lex luthor i'm thinking that this lois is just a matter of spending some time with me away from remembering what we were and that she's going to see how industrious and clever I am and that I'm trying to do good and admire me. That's kind of how I would see it. So you think he's deranged then? Because that's a deranged logical thought process. And I don't think that he's that. I what, think what's that... Wait, wait, what's deranged about it? That's, that's Because he knows... You may be right, he, but I want to unpack it a little bit. Because he knows that she's married to someone else. She is apparently happily married to someone else. He's done the research into the backstory and knows that that relationship has existed for a while. He knows that this is not her reality and that she doesn't know him from a rock in the ground. Around. And so the idea that she would chuck her entire life because he's so handsome, like I, That's, I just yeah. Well, I I had a blind spot there for a minute because for some reason in my head I keep thinking, and I know it's wrong, but I keep thinking that Luthor knows that Clark is Superman because he's been from a world where you know, but but yeah, but he doesn't. Right, exactly. So then it is creepy and it doesn't make as much sense that long. Yeah, she's just married to this guy because she didn't marry dude. this dude. Yeah, like who's a solid? Yeah, like yeah, just a solid dude. Dude, Clark Kent's just a <laughs> solid dude, solid guy. Yeah, Great so guy. like solid dude. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me in the way that the, they've established this character, and like just little things about this episode and him in it bugged me, and not even just the fact that he immediately blew his cover as fast as humanly possible for no discernible reason. Um, <laughs> like I'm a reporter here, I'm gonna pull out my laser sword and show you how we're gonna get to this stuff called X Kryptonite that you know nothing about. Um, like there had to be a better way for Lois to like th this feels like. A functional misunderstanding of who Lois Lane is as an <laughs> investigative journalist on 
on par with the 70s era Lois can't figure out that Clark is Superman. So there is that stuff that bugs me that he would be dumb enough to just blow his cover. But his comment to her, you, you mentioned it in your review, and this one hung on me for a little bit. Only because we're dealing with alternate realities. And he makes this comment to her that he went out and got two passes because as a black guy, <laughs> it would look better for him to not be, it looked less suspicious for him to go in uh, not alone, right? Right. What says that the reality that he comes from has anything resembling the type of racism that we experience in this reality? Like, where does it follow? There's, there's nothing that, no, but like it, it, I watched that and I'm like, this is a missed opportunity to maybe have him react to the racism of this world in a way that would actually say something rather than there just being an assumption that this is a concrete universal uh, constant that happens no matter where in the multiverse you happen to be. Well, and like, they're not saying that necessarily. They're saying that they could be two universes. And, and if he establishes that and he says that it's his reality, I'm going to believe it. But I think yeah. that I think that you're as much as I am loath to say it because I am not. Um, <laughs> I have definitely complained enough about this episode. You've now drawn a, like this is the first time where you've been like, ah, this is a deep flaw, and I now see it, and it's because of that blind spot I had. Luthor does act out of character here, and I want to forgive it because I like the way that the actor is portraying him, and I like the the vibe that the character has of like being both good and bad at the same time. And I also, this is this is me. This is my flaw. I also completely get the idea of being so obsessed and wanting to be around Lois Lane that you do dopey things that seem romantic to you but are wrong and stupid and creepy. Because who would not want to do anything they could to be around someone like Lois Lane? And that right. is the way that stalkers and creepy people kind of develop is they think, ah, yes, here is the right path. But I have a blind spot to it because I'm so infatuated with Lois Lane, which is yeah. why I'm glad she's a fictional character because I'd probably be in jail <laughs> like I would be with Chloe. Chloe! You know, like the, like the, 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 the terrible It's okay, Chloe, Chloe, Chloe apparently really likes creepers, so <laughs> as it turns out. Yeah, oh God, uh, you know, oh. Uh, <laughs> Lord, don't even get me into it. It's just so many yeah, shattered so like, dreams. So, so many it, shattered it, dreams. It really bothers me that they are forgetting that this is a character from an alternate reality and not playing with that by grounding him in this stupid pseudo-romantic relationship attempt with Lois, if that's what it is. Like, it just doesn't... Like, we're only six episodes in. His character was pretty... He's drawn with fairly oblique lines in the first few that we've seen. Yeah. And now it's like they've forgotten that he's not just some dude from Jersey. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I and, and going back to the like the uh, the the past thing, uh, I made hay out of this in the review, but it's worth mentioning again. Like the whole bit like there's there's a there's a nail to hammer there, although I would hammer it softly, obviously, in the same way they're hammering Kyle softly of like. Yeah, I, I, I'm scared of going there as a black dude because of the way people look at me and the way people treat 
treat me even across multiverses. You know, there's something to be said there. But the problem is they undermine it with the plot logic. And I bring that up in the review because, like, Lois Lane is allowed to attend the presser. That's the weird thing. She's sitting there. They let her in, and, like, Edge is, like, sitting there like, mm-hmm, well, are you going to find my secret? <laughs> Ooh, look, it's Lana. Yeah, he twirled. <laughs> he he, if he had a mustache, so, he would right. have twirled it. Yes, he would have yeah, twirled like it, it was, right? So then, so then yeah. we established that they're letting Lois Lane be around and that everybody knows who they are, and there's a B-O-L-O for the Lois Lane, like, be on the lookout. So, like, there's this level where, yes, yes, a black dude going anywhere is subject to more intense scrutiny because racism exists, right? But there's the, that level of scrutiny, which is severe, let's be honest. And there's this yeah. level of severity when it's like, like, the person at the guard booth is going to have a picture of Lois Lane and it's like, <laughs> do not let in under any circumstances, open fire, <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. if she has a little device that calls Superman, maybe throw rocks at it and call Leslie Lar at this number on speed dial, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, and plus she just kind of is there anyway. That's the other weird thing. Like Leslie yeah. is just there and they would know that there's security and that. And like, she's that so cartoonishly awful. <laughs> it's like, she's from a different show when she comes upon Luthor and Lois in the caves. And she does that like, ha ha. Not that you'll ever make it out of here alive. I, I was told like, you what? he was going to destroy you. <laughs> Yeah, like, what show am I watching well, when really she's on the screen? the really weird part was when she it's actually she's... did grow and twirl a mustache. I don't know if you saw that part. It was, it was subtle and it was quick, but it happened. The way she's playing that character, if it's a choice, she should have been fired slash killed off weeks ago. I'm willing to and... give that to the director or to, uh, to the writing. You know, I wouldn't blame the actor so much on that one because, like, when you've got, like, I will destroy you. You know, like, that's all you've got, you know? Like, it's just, she's so cartoonishly bad. Yes, that but I'll the, agree. But the, the third, and I think most egregious sin for me in this is Sam Lane. Because they did so much work to establish the, the tension between him and Clark and Lois as this tightly held balance of competing interests that he has like interests in familial relationships and interests in national security and their relationship with him is predicated on wanting their kids to have a connection to lois's broader family because clark doesn't have any and it's all wonderful and well thought out and in doing so they turn they gave sam lane nuance he's not just like you know, General Ironside who hates the Hulk irrationally because he's the Hulk and he and he dated his little girl. Um, like there there was there was thought put into who this character is, and they took all of that and in one encounter with a dude he's never met before who goes, Superman may be bad. He flips from, which is a thought that I guarantee you this version of this character has had and already processed decades ago. He goes from that to shoot to kill, boys. Yeah, it, like when It kills a lot I, of I good just, dra dramatic avenues, too, because there are a lot of great shows that play and make a lot of hay out of the in-law that has power they shouldn't have by dint of being close to the family. You get your junior Sopranos or your, um, you know, the pretty little liars with... Uh, is it is it Meryl Streep? Was that who played the? Uh, no, big big little lies. Uh, big little lies. That's pretty. Yeah, pretty little yeah. liars. I've never seen, but big little lies. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, um, it, was, you know, it like, was Meryl Streep. Oh, the looming man, character, did I ever love who has, to hate that character who has an existential or emotional tie over the emotional life of people to the point of where they tolerate them even when they're being vile. Um, and they yeah. did put a pin in that. Um, I mean, story wise, they put a pin on that. But um, you can also unpin that if you're careful and with craft. And they haven't even started trying that. Let, what Lionel Luthor, you know, essentially yeah. is a great example. And they they totally. Uh, I don't even know if saying pooched is. I'll, I'll bleep it. Is that is saying pooched vulgar? They pooched. It. No, pooch, pooch, pooched is fine. Okay, yeah, I don't know what's vulgar anymore because I don't drink alcohol with the kids on the Saturday nights. But, but I mean, they pooched the Lionel Luther thing, and and that could have just loomed and loomed and loomed, and then they were eventually like, "Here's a window, bye, uh, be dark side." Um, <laughs> yeah, and. Um, you know, they could have Sam Lane, done the same thing with Sam Lane. He could have just been a, a presence like, I will be here because if not, I will bring the government down on you in Smallville. You know, like, Sam Lane has incredible power that he is not exercising because he knows Clark's secret. Yes. Um, and I imagine they will make hay of that later. But the fact that he is just kind of this nyeh guy in the background right now is sad in terms of, like, his potential. Yeah, it's, it's just weird and is squandering. Like... This is an episode where the characterization for some of the most important characters, with the exception of Superman and Lois themselves, they've squandered all the work that they've done up to this point with those characters by making them behave in dumb, irrational ways. Not even in service of an episode that was particularly overarching plot heavy. Yeah. Well, the good like, thing I just, is... I, I mean, there's no reason for it. We've had two out of six that were slightly shaky, but four yeah. out of six that are solid is still a far better record than Smallville has had in terms of, and, and Smallville was still able to carry through 10 seasons and keep the stories at yeah. least entertaining. And I think that if we have, if we, even if we have occasional clunkers like this, as long as every couple of episodes, I'd say even every three episodes, but ideally two out of every three, which is what we've had so far, are solid character stories with really great plots. I am perfectly willing to forgive the fact that they have to go to A to B to C, even though I disagree with the method they, they, that they've come to, as long as going forward they operate from things that are reasonably within character but we're now past the point of where you can say things are consistent for the for through the whole show in ways that other shows have we have we have t pulled the uh pulled the cover off of the the glass and broken it when it comes to this character will be consistent through the whole show um and we've gone to the okay this is television so some of the shows are going to be a little off and that's unfortunate sure that's unfortunate and you know and you know what a little off is a much better descriptor for this episode than episode four yes. because the only reason that stuff bugged me was because it detracted from some really cool things like okay so i have never been a fan of the clark is the real guy theory we talked about this in episode one um when it comes to who's the real person superman or clark mm -hmm. and this show is continuing week after week to do a solid job of undoing that preference because this version of clark kent is a joy to watch as a character yeah no clark is absolutely i it, you know, I think we talked about it, and I, I, I think the thing that I came to is I've always thought Clark is the dude, 
and like Superman is Clark putting on an affect and Cal L is just basically his heritage. Um, but I might've worded it differently, but I've always, I've always just absolutely thought that Clark is the character because otherwise no Superman, you know? See, I've always, I've always bought into David Carradine's, he, he articulated it for me, but David Carradine in Kill Bill volume two, where he goes, Superman is the real guy. Superman is who he was raised by Ma and Pa Kent to be. And the nebbishy loser that we always get presented with as as his public face, as Clark Kent, is Superman's commentary on humanity. See, I the thing, I suppose I've known too many artists and too many actors in my day um, who are brilliant um, and who turn it on and turn it off and are completely different people when they're at home. And I think that's where a lot of the Superman Clark Kent dynamic uh, derives from. I, I I've seen too much of that to think that even though Superman is Clark Kent at his greatest potential, I think that anyone staying at that level for too long loses, if not their humanity, their ability to be relatable to no, even themselves. No, but I'm not. I'm not saying the, uh, I'm here to save the day, Superman is the real guy. I'm thinking, so you remember in Superman 1, Superman the movie, mm-hmm. there's that brilliant scene that highlights just how good Christopher Reeve is at the body transformation, the one where you buy that Lois would not put two and two together despite being a reporter, yes. where he's just brought her back from their night flight. Mm-hmm. Um, and Clark is supposed to be picking her up and he's standing in the hallway outside her bathroom and he's decided he's going to tell her that he's Superman. You see that transformation where he, it looks like he grows two inches and he takes his glasses off and the muscles in his face settle and his voice baritones out and he says, Lois, um, and then she comes out and he like condenses it all back down. That guy. That guy that he is when he removes Clark Kent but isn't standing in the suit is who I've always thought the real person is. Uh, See, I always think that that's just another costume. I think that there is the Clark Kent that he is at the Daily Planet, which is the bumbling buffoon. And then I think that there is the Superman that he plays when he's, you know, to draw a difference between the two of them. But then, you know, you look at Superman 3, which is, you know, like referring to Superman 3 as the Er Clark, I know. Uh, roll your. <laughs> I see you rolling your eyes through the podcast. Stop that, listeners. Um, but, but you know, like when he's got his old college, or his old high school sweatshirt on, or whatever, and he's luxuriating on the grass with Lana, you know, and he's just being yeah. himself. He's not slumping there. He's not pretending to be mild mannered. No, and, but that, but that guy is the same guy that he turns into when he's standing in Lois's hallway. Perhaps. Perhaps, yeah. It's um. I suppose it's an issue of is he being false or is he being true, right? And if he's doing something for the greater good that is essentially a lie, I can't see that as his real persona. Um, and I think that the difference between the 70s and now is that it had to be much more clear in Superman the movie. And I think right now it's Clark can be Clark and Superman can be Superman. And uh, Superman is far more of the act than Clark is at this point. Like, Clark Clark doesn't have to bumble for people to believe that he's kind of a nerd because he's just a nerdy dad. 
You know, like if you weren't wearing but the he's glasses, a nerdy, you'd still have. But he's a nerdy. Difference. But he's a nerdy football dad, uh, coach dad, and and here's the part. So as much as I appreciate that they're making me a fan of the Clark Kent that gets presented to the world, and I love the way that Hecklin plays him, it's detracting from the believability of Superman as a disguise because Hecklin. Yeah, like in moments like the heat vision moment in this episode where he looks like he's been lifted out of a Injustice comic or a, or a frame of the Injustice game, um, there's unbridled power and almost divinity to what's happening there. Most of the time, he's not that different from Clark. Yes, and that's one of the things that I almost took a note on and decided against because I decided to just turn my brain off on it for, you know, because everything falls apart if you don't. Um, where, you know, Tyler is standing there in front of Sarah. Um, Clark is standing there in front of Superman. <clears throat> I call him Clark because I don't see him as... I see Superman as just the name that other people call him when he's being Clark at his most Clark, but um, he's standing there in front of Sarah... And Sarah is looking at him, and it's very obvious that it's, you know, it's it's Jordan's dad, you know? Yeah, like, right? She's, like, it's... She's it's... not going to miss that. Um, she's, she's a clever kid. It's a less overt version of the problem that Dean Cain had on Lois and Clark. Or even an internet problem, because right now we have kids that if you show them, like, there are videos of people doing horrible things to animals, and three kids in Milwaukee are suddenly like, I'm going to the internet! Um, and they see, like, one, yeah. one pixel on the left corner of the screen, and they're able to identify who that person who did that awful thing is, where they live, what their grandmother's name is, and they've already nuked their credit from space. And yeah. so... This, and, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's why it's totally believable that you have this this video of, of of like what happened at the bonfire and and tag is able to divine that hey that's Jordan um, and that that Sarah kind of believes it um, because that's how the internet does things but you know like then yeah. you have Superman stand right in front of her and it's like that's obviously his dad um, so right yeah and so like I'm willing to forgive that because the Clark performance is so good. And he, so the problem is, is he embodies Superman extremely well and doesn't change all that much when he's Clark. Yeah, that's, that's, that's true. And, and that, you know, there's going to come a reckoning for that or they'll just skirt it forever. I don't know. Yeah. Which, which is actually the reverse of the Dean Cain problem because the Dean Cain problem was he never pulled off Superman particularly well. <laughs> yes. Superman was just Clark in a costume. Yeah. Um, right? And and this is the opposite. It's that he's not diminishing the character of Superman enough when he's Clark to really differentiate between the two. He is pretty cut, but, yes. Yeah, but I'm still... I'm completely on board for his characterization because who he is as those characters is so enjoyable to watch that i'm willing to suspend the disbelief and just let it go um i still love that they are using superman sparingly yes that this is very much a family drama and like in the vein of friday night lights and the while the while the sort of science fictiony high military danger elements of the plot are becoming more prominent 
it's still the family drama show that leans back on Superman for like 25% of its running time. Yeah. Right? Like it's not a superhero show in the traditional sense. So like at the end of the episode where, you know, Jordan is, is obviously when he's having his seizure and he picks him up, like I was legit shocked for half a second that it wasn't like, call an ambulance. We have to go to the hospital. No, he, Friggin' flies him into space so he can take him to the Fortress of yeah. Solitude. Well, you know, like I'm no one. No one watches the movie Jaws and comes out of the theater and goes, "Man, that movie was called Jaws. Why didn't we see the shark more?" Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's that's effective storytelling. And they and they know that's one thing that this show does better than any Superman show I've seen is that they know that Superman is the fun part. It's the it's not the meat and potatoes. It's the dessert. It yeah. is the and, dessert. And they, yes. and, they, and they use him incredibly well. Um, we didn't get a whole lot of Morgan Edge this week, which I was happy with because he annoys me almost as much as Leslie Lar. Um, <laughs> the two of them are just, they, they feel like they belong to a different show with a different plot. <laughs> it's, it's, um, it is, yeah, it is a little... They feel like they belong to Smallville. And that's not a knock on Smallville. They feel like they belong to Smallville at its best. Yeah. Like season season three, season four, Smallville. Um, be, before they had to figure out how to keep introducing... <laughs> sorry, to, my heart loves season four. <laughs> sorry. No, sorry, I got a cough Sorry, there. man. I, I love season four Actually, of Smallville. I like Lois Lane in season four, yes. Yeah, I, I love season four of Smallville. I love the aftermath of the Fortress stuff. Well, I, I like Lois Lane aftermath. in four through ten. Lois Lane is the best part of that show going forward. It's true. It's true. Um, but 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 yeah, Edge and Leslie Lar and their whole plot with the ex-Kryptonite feels like it's 15 years too late. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I'm not laughing at your thought. I just was like... It, it, it occurs to me that you know, like if Max Lord were to uh, to to appear on the show, they could merge and he could become the Edge Lord. And yeah, <laughs> I don't know why that popped into my head, but like this is why I will never work for DC Comics. They'll never have me for that. Anyway, yeah, yeah. among yeah. many <laughs> other be... reasons, not not the least of which being this podcast and everything I've ever said to critique them. But <laughs> but I mean, I think that Edge Lord thing is the thing they'd cite the most. Like, like you were almost there. You know, like, uh, we almost yep. had you. And I'm like, why are you interviewing me, the Joker? Because that's the voice you went to when you started doing this bit, Neil. And I'm like, well, well, I, what is it? It's like, the bit with the edgelord was a bit too edgy for me. We live in a society. Oh, no. Um, hey, I think we're oh, going to wrap was, up then. No. <laughs> we better, we, we, just about. We should bring on the boys right away. Before I do there's more one last. There's one last thought that I had. Yeah. And you kind of tangentially touched on it in your review, but not in the way it hit me. And it's when Edge offers Lana the gig being like team lead for his Smallville crew. (laughs) No, no. His justification for it is you did such a good job with those reverse mortgages. And that shows that the people of this town trust you. And I'm sitting there staring at my TV with my jaw on the floor. Because basically what he just said was you are exceptionally awesome at screwing innocent people over who don't understand what they're doing. I like that. Yes, and I I almost commented on that. You know, it's funny you mentioned it. I almost commented on it. The reason I didn't was because of the way they've established Lana Lana's character so far. I think that even if she were the kind of person to give someone a reverse mortgage, um, knowing 
like like everybody knows how bad reverse mortgages are um she would probably think she was doing right because that's the world she lives in where she deludes herself in believing because she has good intentions all of her actions and behaviors are okay like particularly with her daughter or her husband right yeah no that's fair it just it stuck it struck me as a weird thing for her to get all like preeny about yes well you know she thinks she was doing a kind thing and morgan edge is like ah yes we screwed all those old people out of their pensions (laughs) yeah because that's that's all a reverse mortgage ever is basically yeah so i mean that was odd but overall i really really dug this episode i'm super excited for next week i am more excited to be proven right on yet another prediction i made from earlier on in the season <laughs> which is that jor-el is going to turn out to be a lying liar evil ish ai with weird uh grandiose designs and some uh some serious xenophobia towards half-breeds i i you um, know i completely disagree i think jor-el is going to turn out to be soap and that jor hill has always been soap um that's an old deep cut nobody's gonna there's gonna be like one guy in cleveland laughing about that <laughs> i remember that from 2009 <laughs> yeah 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 it's not gonna be um, oh and the other thing we're gonna do i think uh neil and i had talked about this as well um because we don't want to just fixate on um the deconstruction stuff this is the 10th anniversary this year of Smallville going off the air. (laughs) So one of the things we're going to do over the next few weeks is I'm going to go on to the Superman homepage law archives and I'm going to find the episodes of Smallville that Neil wrote that were the most vicious and horrific and full (laughs) of hate and vitriol. And I'm going to make Neil rewatch the episode, those particular episodes. And we're going to see if younger neil was right or whether he was a little bit too enthusiastic about cutting down other people's work (laughs) i think that um i think that's perfectly fine and smart and fun Uh, i mean i love the idea of canceling myself but i think that uh because because i just don't give a crap anymore but the um the thing that i will the thing that i will say going in is that while I agree that the perception is that I was angry and raging and frothing, it was then as it is now, where it's like, I'm just, like, like I don't actually have much, I didn't have much passion then about it, and I don't have much passion now about it. It's more like, when I write something, my job is to be as passionate and direct about it as I can, and as effective and as pointed as I can be, and that is what provokes the reaction that made those reviews successful so even then and especially now i don't really actually care five minutes after i walk away from the keyboard but everyone else really does and so they remember it that way and they're like oh yeah i remember that time and and it'd be funny because see so there's, there's another angle to it there's the angle where we go back and I see if I have the same perspective now 15 years later, and I doubt I will on many things. But there's also the fact that it will probably, like, like the the question, was Neil really as angry as I remember him to be, will be an interesting question to ask, too. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I think what we should do is, uh, we'll, we'll maybe start doing this next week, is I'll have an episode picked out 
will reference the episode during the podcast that we're going to be tackling the following week to give people a chance to go back and rewatch it from whichever streaming source they can find it on. Um, and that way everybody is nice and prepped to, to, to revisit this stuff. Because again, it's been a decade. Tons has happened in that decade in the superhero front. Like the entire MCU came into existence pretty much post Smallville and completely shook up the way superhero media is regarded by studio execs and the general viewing audience. Um, and so it'll be interesting to look at something that existed in the, the before time um, <laughs> when John Peters thought that having Superman wrestle a polar bear at the North Pole was, you know, scintillating movie viewing experience. <laughs> well, we should pick, you know, some five of fives and some one of fives and, uh, you know. Oh, no, we're going all one of fives. Oh, you don't want to hit a five like, of five and see if they hold up? No, no. No, no, the five of fives, nothing's going to hold up, right? So, so no, my, no, it, so here's the thing. You're, you're dealing with a show that was created in a time when to be embarrassed of the superheroic roots was right and good and proper. <laughs> and no flights, no tights is a mission statement made absolute perfect sense and was lauded by the press when the series started under that premise and like it just it can't possibly hold up it only they would only hold up by comparison <laughs> to the ones and twos out of five it, it just occurs to me which one we should start with and i think that this would probably be a good one even though i don't remember anything other than my merciless mocking of it um well actually i don't remember much of anything about almost any of the reviews except for monkey bellow jor-el is soap and the squeaky shoes but um i would say because <laughs> the squeaky shoes was a good bit even though I yeah. stole that wholesale. But I think the stride gum one, given the showrunner, might be uh yes. might be apropos. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. I was thinking about the stride gum episode. Uh, I was thinking about the one that was the resolution of the Lana and Clark storyline where she becomes a kryptonite power ranger. Um <laughs> Uh, there's there's uh, there's so much to mine. I mean, there were so many. I you know it was something La like Lex Lex in, Lex in the mental hospital. It was it I it was about seven or eight hundred thousand words that I think. It well, Lex in the mental hospital was the genesis of Jor El's soap, so that might be a fun one to do just to give that uh, a little brush up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for I you know this is so this is how little I remember about the reviews. People were bringing up Jor El's soap. You know, and they were like, and I think that I riffed on it really, really hard. And I think that's why people remember it and keep bringing it up with me because I must have done something funny with Jorella's soap. Um, but for, for like, this is how far divorced. But I, Neil, Neil, you're unfunny. Though, oh, yeah. No, clearly. I mean, yes, this is why we can't hire this man. Um, but <laughs> actually, I think the, the, the way I used the, uh, the, the, the passport joke in this review was, was passably funny, at least to me. I, I giggle, <laughs> but I like I got dad humor. But back to the point. I yeah. thought that I came up with Jorella's soap. I thought that that was not a bit from the show until I looked it up, and I, I probably would have if someone asked me, taking claim for that. That's how divorced I am from the actual events of the show and the continuity of the show. I've just let it all slide out of my head like like an egg onto a piece of bread <laughs> because because I have novels to write, and, and novels 
are far more important to me and my characters and my, 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 my knowledge of plot and these things that I'm doing than any of that. But, but for some people, it's like, like my opinion of Smallville is the thing that the only thing they know or care about me, uh, which I understand. Yeah. I mean, I'm not even knocking that. I get it. Like people like the spectacle. They don't like a deep dive into, you know, like, like semi literature character stories. It's why I can't sell a damn novel to save my life, but, <laughs> but it'll make a worthy, uh, worthy explanation, uh, exploration, I think. And it'll be fun. And it'll be funny at least, you know, like even if yeah, I'm not Jor- funny. Jor-El, yeah. Jor-El is soap comes from the episode where I think it was either Clark or Lex is, it might be Clark. It, it, it was Smallville's play of, with the trope of is this all the dream of an insane person who's stuck in a mental asylum? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. And, I looked it up. Yeah. And the brand of soap <laughs> that the janitor uses to clean the floors is Jor-El, Jor-El soap. Yeah, Jor-El antibacterial soap, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they should have made the mop talk with Terrence Stamp's voice. But anyway, we should they end should. this because we're out of time. We're going to cut to the boys. Uh, we're going to interview the boys separate this week. I'm going to interview Milo. You're going to interview Ben. And then I'll come back and I'll do a, hey, goodbye, everybody, and do the Worldwide Pants logo and we'll, we'll fade to black. But um, I will uh, say my goodbyes now and see you next week. Week, right yeah absolutely All right. have a fantastic evening and we will uh, get together next wednesday for more wacky uh jordan and jonathan broken bone drama and fun that's right it's been a blast and it is i clark no neil bailey and uh you are uh jor-el finn right? julian finn julian finn <laughs> that's right i everything slides out of my head all right goodbye everybody goodbye see you next week guys bye-bye all right, it's time for Milo. Hello, Milo. Hello! I think this is the first time I've ever interviewed you, isn't it? Yes. All right, well, so we have two things to cover. The first thing is the Snyder Cut of Justice League. And yes. you've been waiting to talk about this for a long time, yes. right? What do you think of the Snyder Cut of the Justice League? I didn't like it really much because as it, I think it took a little too long um, for things to start. Or were the things that you liked? Yeah. Like what? Like the part where Superman actually fought stuff. Because I really like fights and stuff in movies. Which fight? Like the fight where he fought at that giant area. Dark side, that's what it was. That's you mean the... Steppenwolf? Oh, yeah, Steppenwolf. That's all right. No, it's okay. They look kind of the same, don't yeah. they? Yeah. Well, what was it that you didn't like? I didn't like how, how they used Black Superman for a small bit, but then they didn't, didn't just change it back to Red Superman. They just kept it Black Superman for the rest of the movie. Did you miss the Superman in the normal suit? Yeah. Do you think that you would want to watch a version where he had the normal suit? Yes. There is a version, but it's shorter, and it's very different. We could watch that if you want later. But okay. now let's move on to today. Yes. And you got to come closer and talk into the mic and stop bouncing around, because okay. you are a monkey. But, so, <laughs> we watched Superman and Lois, episode six today, which yes. was Broken Trust, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, I didn't tell you what I thought of it this time, and I didn't uh, watch it with you at first. What did you think of it? I thought it was awesome. Yeah? What was your favorite stuff? My favorite stuff was the part where they act, we, er, he actually, he, that guy, 
I was running across that whole entire train like fast. Tag? Yeah. What did you think of uh, the rest of the episode? I thought I liked it, but it was kind of uh, sad when... And, um, uh, Jordan? Jordan. Yeah, Jordan. And was rude to one of his teammates, like, in the game. Yeah. Well, you know, that was, I think it was the opposing team, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, The other football guys, right? Yeah. What did you not like? Was there anything you didn't like? Um, one was the part where they had to, where where they shot all that, um, Krypton at Superman. The kryptonite? Yeah. You didn't like that part? You didn't think that was cool? I mean, I liked it, but I didn't like that they were hurting Oh, Superman. yeah, so you thought they were bad guys. You didn't like them. Yeah. Did you think it was neat when he kind of got mad? Yeah. Or did it scare you? It was kind of funny how he, his eyes got la- all lasery. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's it's kind of what happens to me when I tell you to go to bed and you don't go to bed, huh? Yeah, you're like... You do it now or I will shoot you with kryptonite. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have anything else you want to say? Nope. Are you excited for next week? Yes. I Me too. Am. Me too. I'm excited to watching it with you if you ever stop moving so we can sit and watch something. But okay. do you want to say goodbye to everybody? Yes. Goodbye. 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 Say goodbye, Milo. Goodbye. Goodbye, Milo. All right. Hey there, folks. Neil here, just letting you know that we will not be having an interview with Ben this week. We'll have to push it off till next week because we ran up against a deadline and couldn't put it together. But we will have it next week, and uh, so we'll head back into the end here, and thank you for listening. Well, hey there, all you super cat coes and kittens. I'm not going to ask you to like or subscribe or add us on Facebook or Twitter because, frankly, I just don't care. Julian might, but you'd have to ask him. I am, however, an independent writer of novels, comics, and reviews. I don't get paid for that, and I've been doing it steadily for 21 years. If you like what I do, and if you can, your support would mean a world of difference in my life. I have a website where you can find my books, neilbailey.com with an A in the Neil, N-E-A-L, not an I, and I have a Patreon where you can get exclusive early access to everything I do along with free copies of all my books and comics along with every new book and comic I make as they come out for the price of a coffee. Get yourself on over to www.patreon.com slash neilbailey and tell them Neil sent you. Thanks for listening.